Hey everyone, you're listening to InfoQuench with Jeff and Amy, a podcast with tips to make your life easier, covering pop culture, parenting, travel, minimalism, and more. Hey everybody, this is Jeff and this is Amy. This episode, we're going to go back to the roots of why we started this whole darn podcast thing. I thought we did it so that we could spend some quality time together, honey. Oh yeah, that too. Oh yes, okay. But also it was to quench people's thirst for information, hence right. the name InfoQuench. InfoQuench. And you know what? Uh, it's not all, I guess it's all information, but mostly uh, it's tips, right? Just the tips. Just the tips. <laughs> But I often wonder why about a lot of things. I love researching the crap out of everything. Uh, and I Google, you know, why things are the way they are. And I want to share some information just on some everyday stuff or maybe stuff you wondered about or yep. just to give you some little anecdotes and things you can share with other people. Conversational tidbits, if you will. That's right. There's all kinds of information. We're, I find that we as human beings, we're always at a loss sometimes for words. We're always at a loss sometimes for words. Does that make sense? Does that it sentence does. make sense? You filled that up with a lot of words. I did. And so why not talk about our podcast and what we talk about on the podcast? Because we'd give you some incredible information and we're not going to stop this one. Oh, yeah. It's simply incredible. Simply. Simply incredible people. That's right. <laughs> What is the so. first, uh, what is the first, did you ever wonder why? Did you ever wonder why snooze buttons are nine minutes? Are they? Really? All yeah. snooze buttons are nine minutes? I've, I've had the occasional alarm clock that was seven minutes. For the most part, though, they're nine minutes. And I'm like, why nine? I have why to admit, I, I rarely even get to use the snooze button. I'm, I'm awake before the snooze button goes off, guaranteed. But yet I still set it just in case. Well, you work, dear, you wear, you don't, you do shift work and that's, yeah. but I think, I think the vast majority of us do hit the snooze button on occasion. Oh, well, geez. Yeah. Sometimes repeatedly. Sometimes we plan our sleep to say, I'm going to hit the snooze button, snooze button. Right. Or bitten. Or bitten. Button. You say bitten. I, I say, say button. Bitten. Button. 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 Let's. Let's hit the call this button. whole thing off. Let's hit the snooze button again. <laughs> but I, I, sometimes you find yourself laying in bed trying to do the math, and you're like, if I hit the snooze button two times, that's 18 minutes. Three times, that's 27 minutes. And then I'm like, why is it nine minutes? Why do I have to do this crazy math? Why can't it just oh, be 10 well, minutes? Why don't you tell us, why is it nine minutes? <laughs> why is it? Well, there's actually a few different theories. But 1956, General Electric kind can of... I, can I make it just a quick little guess? I want to just guess. Okay. Is, is it because you don't quite enter REM sleep at, at the nine that minute That is mark? one theory. Really? Yes. Wow. I, yes. So some people feel that 10, well... 10 minutes, if you went to the full 10 minutes, drowsy people would fall back into like a deep sleep. And that means that they would sort of wake up cranky again. They would fall into that deep REM sleep. So yeah, that was a good guess. Huh. Well, I I am just guessing. I didn't read your notes. (laughs) So people felt that the nine minutes was sort of the sweet spot between, you know, more time in bed and letting it get out of hand. Mm, yeah, because uh, snooze buttons can get out of hand. <laughs> yes. Yeah, particularly especially if they're when across you, the room and you can't even reach them with your hand. Especially when you mistakenly uh, hit, you know, turn it off instead of hitting the snooze well, button. Well, yes. I, I've been at the point sometimes where I'm so exhausted that I and so robotic about it that I can actually hit the snooze button and not even really be awake, just do it in my sleep. <laughs> I know. 
you, you have the perfect <laughs> you have the perfect reach Range. Yeah. well there are there you know there's a lot of sleep tips uh around trying to get yourself out of bed in the morning and one of them is just to put the alarm clock out of reach so you can't hit the snooze button one thing that i never understood i know we're not going to do the whole podcast on alarm clocks but i never understood why people didn't make uh, an alarm clock or uh, rather I, I never understood why they make them so soothing you know when he's like Bong, it makes you want to keep sleeping well, they have different alarms you can choose from, but some of them are really like jarring. Yeah. Well, that like e- you're wake, e- but you don't e- want to wake e- up like your house is on fire. No, I don't want to wake up. <laughs> that will put me in a bad mood guaranteed every day. If you're like, if it puts you like, if your heart's like, you know, racing upon the uh, sound of your alarm clock, it's probably not the best sound. Your, wake, I- your alarm clock wakes you up with obscenities. <laughs> Get up. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. You know? Oh, good. Well, that, would, that, you bleeped us all out. That would, that would. I know we're not allowed to swear because of because of Apple, but we're both longshoremen's. So anyway, what's the next one? What's the next? Did you ever wonder why? Well, I'm still in the snooze button because I never really got through the. Oh, so 1956. Back oh, in 1956. I had to talk like I was born in 56. Okay. Actually, I don't think people in 56 sound like that. Try the rest from, of it you, like you're. If you're from born 19... from the 50s, <laughs> try try reading the rest of it like you're from 1956 because I love your accents. <laughs> No. Come no, on. No. Okay, do it like an Australian then. No, no. Do it, do it with a New York how about accent. I, how about I just do it with my All own right, Amy just, accent? Just read it straight up. And I'll save our listeners the pain. The pain of my awful, awful massacre. Straight up with accents. Amy. Let's go. So, 50, 1956 General Electric came out with an alarm clock, the Telecron snooze alarm. And it was nine minutes. And a lot of people thought that the reason behind that was just alarm clocks were did exist before without that snooze function but they had like strange gears and the gear teeth wouldn't line up to allow for exactly a 10 minute snooze what that doesn't make any sense well i'm sure it does if you're like a clock engineer right okay is there a name for that well like a clock in ear by not exactly lining up what is it (laughs) clock in ear yeah or a clocksmith so so whatever (laughs) a clock or a clocksmith. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. That's so good. the gears wouldn't line up with in the in these old time alarm clocks long before the current electronics of our new new age. The LCD sound system. Yeah. The, the LCD sound system. So that's one theory as to why they were nine minutes and or not exactly <clears throat> ten minutes. So and then again, what you said, people thought you know ten minutes is a little too much. Other people thought. You should just get that extra minute out of your day. So if people only slept for an extra nine minutes, that extra minute would be more productive. Oh, interesting. Well, I don't know if I'm of that uh, camp. And so today's day and age, obviously gears are not an issue, but they say that they've kept that snooze alarm at nine minutes just to sort of pay homage to the initial alarm clocks. That makes sense, I guess. And nine minutes is a pretty reasonable time to snooze after having a good sleep, you know? I think that's a pretty good... That's going to... That's gonna. You're going to feel rested after that, you know, if you get up right after nine minutes. Or three times that for 27 minutes. How many times do you hit the snooze button? It depends on the day. Really? Yeah. If it's Friday, how many times do you hit the snooze button? Well, you do a little negotiation in your head. You're like, eh, do yeah. I... You know, what, what, what can I get away with not doing this morning? Yeah. And you try to calculate nine minutes worth of things that you can get you away cross with not off, doing. Like, you know, taking a shower, brushing your hair. You know? I try to get the basic I you know, could get hygiene in there, but you know. 
I do try to get that basic hygiene in there. Um, so you ever wonder how long you should wash your hands? Uh, I think the, I, I, I never wondered it now. I, I, I will be honest with you there. Like that's not something I ever wonder. Really? I'm not sitting around going, how long should I want, how long should I wash my Okay. Well now see, for? I worked in the hospital environment for, for a few years on contract. And I, I remember when you would go into the washrooms, there were signs posted specifically with signs how long that, yeah. you should wash your hands. At most, at most like employment places. So I'm going to quiz you. How long should you wash your hands? I think probably about four or five minutes. No, oh my God. Okay, 20. Maybe if you're doing like heart surgery. Okay, like a minute and a half. No, no, Two actually not, not even that long. Three minutes. But that's great, honey. I'm 30 glad seconds. you're that thorough. 20 seconds is roughly the recommendation. Seconds. So both like the CDC, Center for Disease Control, and the uh, World Health Organization feel that 20... I watch mine for four minutes every time. <laughs> 20 seconds. It's a lot of running 20 water. 20 seconds is adequate. Or if you don't have a clock handy, you can just sing happy birthday to yourself twice. That's roughly how long you should spend washing your hands. Oh my goodness! But do it You'd in your head because batty. otherwise yeah. everyone's just gonna think. Even in your head, psychotic. that's gonna dr- that kind of stuff will drive you batty. Every time you wash your hands, you're singing "Happy Birthday." Happy birthday, day, day. Like that's 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 just crazy. Well, it's a happy song. It puts you in a good mood. I know there's a time thing. Why not? Why not just put an alarm clock in the? <laughs> you know, yeah. you do it for nine minutes. Nine Hit the snooze minute, button. Nine minutes. I still can't believe you think people should be washing their hands for four or five minutes. Four or five minutes, You'd have man. no skin left. You'd have no skin. That's for heart surgery. Also, an interesting fact is that, according again, according to the CDC and, and WHO, H, World HW, <laughs> WHO, no. <laughs> no, the World Health Organization, WHO. Right, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the less... Uh, less entertaining of the two, um, feel that soap is more important than temperature really isn't as much of a factor as just making sure you use soap so you could use in terms cold of water. Uh, infection control. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The soap is the most important component. Yeah. Ever wonder why traffic lights are the colors they are? Uh, is it for, is it have anything to do with color blindness? Does it have anything to do with uh, certain people can't see certain colors? Well, I'm sure that they don't choose colors that, yeah, that the colorblind people are, Less prone to being able to see, but traffic lights originally had a color scheme developed just as part of the railway industry in the early 19th century. So it's been around for a long time. I found this really funny that so it used to be that white meant go, right? Green was caution, and red was stop, as it is today. Huh. But what would happen is off like the filters would come off, so the little red filter would fall off the light. So right. all of a sudden, the stoplight was also white. Oh, that makes so sense. So your go light was white, and the red filter would fall off the stoplight, so it would be white, and they'd have all these crashes. Well, that makes sense. I never <laughs> so really thought of it as like filters, but so now they... decided they... that the, the go needed its own filter, too. So that's when they decided, we're going to give the go, uh, the go light a filter. So right. go became green, red was still stop, and yeah. then they made the yellow the caution. Huh. Well, how about that? I know. I find that fascinating. And I still run the yellow. I love these people who are just solving problems. They're like, oh, that filter keeps falling off and planes, planes, trains, and automobiles are all crashing. Let's just make a light bulb that has a color to it. And then that would just get rid of the uh, filter. And that's what they did. Yeah, I know. I wonder. Well, no. No, they just put a filter on. They just changed the colors. (laughs) Nope. 
They use bulbs that have different colors. All right. Jeff's just making stuff up. I am. That's what I do when I don't know things. It's not the info quench. It's like info drought. Info drought. <laughs> info, info crap. I don't give you crap info. Did you ever wonder why? What's? You, no. Why you get the sensation of butterflies in your stomach? Uh, it's because I'm looking deep into your eyes, honey. Aww. Aww, that's so <laughs> Every sweet. answer is correct when you say that. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, some people may know this already. I knew a little bit about this, but it was interesting to know. They actually call it the, there's a brain-gut axis. <laughs> so that's what, what it, they call it? That's the scientific term for it? <laughs> it is. It means that different emotions can cause like sensations and physical changes in your stomach. Um, because of the, the connection between your brain and your gut. Huh. So when you're like afraid or excited, your brain interprets it, interprets it as stress and it activates the old flight, fight, flight or fight flight. or flight or easy for me to say. Flight or fight. Fight or flight response. Fight or flight. Fight. Say it. I just said, didn't I? I don't know. You said flight or flight. Fight or flight. <laughs> <laughs> what's the next one <laughs> fight or flight so your body reduces uh releases oh my gosh you've completely thrown me off i'm, I, I'm blaming this one on jeff and i not didn't the do Aperol. anything i didn't do anything <laughs> your body releases adrenaline and everything sort of gets redirected to uh, other organs in this stress response and because of the decreased blood flow to your gut because it's not really a an essential function during a high stretch situation get the sensation of the butterflies in your stomach wow yeah you sound super interested in that that's pretty interesting do you even get butterflies in your stomach you seem like the kind of person who doesn't oh geez what kind of what kind of comment is that well oh, i just mean that you're... oh that hurts i know what a hurt heart feels like that's oh, for sure i just mean that you're oh, so laid back that hurts. you don't really get stressed yeah, but butterflies doesn't mean that you're stressed per well, se. Well, a lot you of times be, it happens, like if you're getting ready to go, like on on stage. A lot of times you could have an, an overwhelming, or, you know, life event happen and get butterflies. You know? What what type of life event? Well, I got little butterflies actually when uh, our son did his last performance. You know, when he did a live uh, music performance, it was it was quite something to watch. Oh yes, he's just finished up his. Kinder Rock music class. Yeah, he played the keyboards. He did a great job. Yep. Ever wonder why orange juice tastes like crap after you brush your teeth? <laughs> Probably has something to do with the toothpaste is what my guess yeah, would be. Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah good call. So, but there, it's actually the two different actions that the toothpaste does. So there's uh, sodium lauryl sulfate, which is like one of the agents that's in your toothpaste. It dampens sweet receptors in your mouth. So it makes things taste less sweet. But the other thing it does is it destroys phospholipids and that prevents bitter taste from being too strong. So it's kind of like a double whammy. It destroys them? So not only, yeah. So Like the Terminator? <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Remember I told you I'd kill you last? I lied. <laughs> So it not only works to make like the orange juice less sweet, it also amplifies bitterness in in whatever you're tasting immediately after you brush your teeth. So that creates that horrible taste. I'll bet you though that no matter what kind of juice you drank and then you brush your teeth directly after, uh, it's going to be bad. Or you brush your teeth first, right? And then drink the juice. This is what we're talking about, right? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. regardless of what it is, <laughs> what kind of juice you got to do it a certain orange juice order is one is one example. But yeah, it's just like, yeah, it makes it less sweet and it also amplifies the bitterness because of whatever foaming agent. That makes sense. Well, the sodium lauryl sulfate. Yeah. See how easily I said that one? Yeah. Yeah. You you've <laughs> they're rolling off your tongue now. Stop signs. Yes, stop signs. They're a very distinct size and shape, and that didn't just happen accidentally. Back in 1915 in Detroit, they started out as just a square sign, black letters on a white background. And there was like a series of events that took place. It's kind of cool because I know... Sounds like accidents to me. A series of events. Series of events. <laughs> well, I'm sure there was accidents too, but in, uh, yeah, there, were, there, were, there were likely some accidents. But 1923, there was uh, the Mississippi Valley Highway Association created a standard for all the road signs. And they decided that for in their infinite wisdom, because that highway association was known for their infinite wisdom, that the more sides a sign had, the more urgent people would feel it was. Wow, what does that say about a yield sign then? I know. I find that odd. Yeah, because I, I thought about the yield sign too, but obviously a stop sign is more urgent Or do urgent not enter. That's just a circle. Like, you know, you should know not to enter that. That's a circle with a line through it. I know. Some people would say a <laughs> circle your... has an infinite amount of sides. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I think that would be the uh, intertwined figure eight, though. That's the infinite. Right. Well, the symbol for infinity. Yes. That's right. So an octagon was chosen for the stop sign and colors were kind of still all over the place. But in 1954, they finally decided on red with white lettering and that became the standard. And I think like I've, and I know we've traveled in a lot of different countries and they seem to follow the same standard when it comes to stop signs. So universal, we can't agree on a lot across this world, but we, we agree on what a stop sign yeah. should look like. It's very important to stop. I'm glad they, that's, that's an international, you know, standard. I found this really interesting that buttons, well, I knew that the, this was the case. Women's buttons are uh, buttoned on a different side than the other. So the shirts open on, a, in the, on the opposite side of men's. Right. You're aware of this, right? I am aware of this, but I, don't, I have no clue as to why. Okay. This I don't has never know. made any sense to me. <laughs> so the majority of people are right-handed. I know that's not the case with you. No, I'm left-handed. But a lot of women were dressed by servants, and they felt that it was easier when you're dressing yourself for the buttons to open towards your dominant hand. But women were dressed by servants, so the servant would be standing in front of them. Yeah. So the buttons would follow in the, be in the opposite direction. So, because it would match the servant's dominant hand, which for the majority would be the right hand. Right. You know what I always thought that was? The, the, the reason behind that was, was that, oh, if the buttons are on the wrong side of the shirt, then this is not a male shirt. So I'll put it back on, on the coat hanger. and That's the to, only way I can tell is and, because and then, of the buttons. And then find the men's section, you know. It's like, that's what I, 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 like, I've always thought that that that's just why. Okay, all female shirts are on the opposite sides of the male so that you know, you know, which genders for which, which shirt. But, you know, that stuff's going out the window now, Well, I think which in, is great. In today's day and age, they probably just, it's sort of the same with the alarm clocks, right? They're paying homage to what was done historically, but back yeah. then it was originally because of the servants. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I would never have thought that actually. It still doesn't make any sense to me, really. Dominant hand, like the, it, 
you're going to get used to it no matter what. But I, I suppose. guess but it's I guess easier. It, it is easier with your dominant hand. You're right. No, I mean, you wouldn't because you're left-handed. You probably don't real. you probably, you'd be better off with women's shirts. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm well, <laughs> That's let's how go you... get some right now then. <laughs> One of the other theories I read was that women mostly breastfed on their left side. And I'm like, what? Oh, well, that's, that's <laughs> that a stretch. It doesn't even make sense. Does that mean like they only breastfeed with their left breast? Because I'm as a having nurse, that would not be. <laughs> yeah, that's a. That would be quite, it would create a lot of uh, havoc. Yes. <laughs> on your whole biology it it really would if you're only using one breast to breastfeed so anyways i threw that theory out the window throw it fact check that buggy that bugger and uh yeah busted i don't know if you've ever wondered for audible crosswalks so if you're standing at a crosswalk and you actually hear a sound and it's for people who obviously are blind and aren't able to tell when the sign is changing right but i didn't realize this but the sound is different if you're crossing in one direction versus another. So if you're standing, oh, if you're standing Crosswalk at a corner, on. Well, so if you're standing at a corner, how do you know whether or not the crosswalk is lit up for the street that's going to your left that's or true. the street that's like straight in front of you? My question is though, is how do you, how does a blind person differentiate all that? Because the sound is actually different. The sound is different, but they've never been in that intersection before. They wouldn't know what sound to listen to. Well, it's consistently, but it's, oh. yeah, but there's a different, so they know whether it's the right crossing or the left crossing that is by actually. By the particular, the, what is the, the difference? Do you know? Do you, do you know well, like it's a, it's how a, it differentiates itself? Like, the sound? No, like you want me to tell you like the pitch. Well, no, like principles? is is one like more higher pitch? Oh, I or? don't I don't know which is which, but that's obviously it's something that I think if you are not blind and you don't really have to pay as much attention to, you you just oh, you, you don't just, you, you don't zone pick it, it right, right out. Um, but I know it's something I'm going to pay attention to now as a I mean, I I yeah. I'm a pedestrian. I walk to work. Um, I think every one of our listeners is going to pay attention to that now. Yeah, next time you're at a crosswalk, listen and see. And well, you have to almost have to hear it in both directions to hear the difference between the two. Yeah. Just, but but they do. They differentiate between the two so that those who are blind know which direction is currently lit up as, as a safe crossing. Yep, that makes sense. Did you ever wonder why we say "God bless you" when people sneeze? It has some kind of religious connotation, does it not? Or is it, isn't it the demons inside you and every time you sneeze, you're getting them out and people bless you for getting rid of the demons? I've heard, I've heard of the demon one before, but the one I came across that probably has a little bit maybe more scientific merit was uh, around the plague. So during the 6th century, the Roman Empire had two of the deadliest plague pandemics that we've ever had in history. And uh, the so the plague and the black and the black plague. Um, well, no, they actually uh, those are those are uh, later on. These are even older than that. The, oh. p- the plague of Justinian okay. must have been named after poor Justin. <laughs> oh. um, that was in 541 to 542 A.D. And then the plague of 590, which is in 590 A.D., aptly named. Mm. So, yeah, so a long, long time ago. But combined, they killed about 100 million people, which was half of Europe's population at the time. 100 million people? 100 million people killed by those wow, two plagues. Are, you know, and rightfully so, going crazy about the measles. But, I mean, the measles would be pretty bad, too, if it wasn't, if we didn't have any kind of immunization for it. Well, yes, it's, uh, yeah, we do. We don't want to get into that whole anti-vaxxer talk. We'll be all, our oh. podcast will be three hours long. <laughs> <and> be <laughs> ranting. Um, but sneezing was an early symptom of the plague. 
So it was believed that if people started sneezing, that there were they were in imminent danger of uh, dying of dying from the plague. So Pope Gregory the First, um, also known as Gregory the Great, suggested people should say "God bless you" if mm. somebody was sneezing, because they said that he said that the person needed help from God. So say "God bless you," and God will help them. Uh, you know, guard against and brevity guard, guard turned it to "bless you." Yes, exactly, and. If you even, like other languages, uh, German say Gesundheit, it means for health, or the French say Santé, again for health, so Mm -hmm. just kind of following suit, but it kind of crossed the board, it's more wishing people good health. I I always thought that it may have been something that just, you know, broke the social awkwardness of a sneeze, because sometimes people are pretty, you know, a little shy about sneezing in public, and if you say something... You know, like, hey, I, I heard, I, nice sneeze, <laughs> whatever, you know, like you're acknowledging that they sneezed rather than just like pretending that they didn't just, you know, blow snot all over the place unless they got it in their elbow. Yeah, good job on that sneezing. Yeah. That's I my story. I'm sticking to it. The next one was around birds on a wire. I didn't take notice of this, but apparently birds, when it's windy out, all face in the same direction when they're on a telephone wire or power line. I didn't know that either. And there's two reasons. Uh, well, their feathers are optimized for airflow in that direction, so they'll face into the wind. And also they're just, I guess, their body weight makes it, they're sort of, they're heavier in the front. So it just allows them to be more stable. So they'll all face into the wind on a, on a, on a power line. It's so, the same reason why seagulls, if they're yeah. in a group on the beach on a windy day, they'll all face into the wind as well. For aerodynamics. Yeah. If it's not too windy, they kind of just face randomly though. I wouldn't want to be that, you know, that seagull at the apex of the triangle though, you know. Because you're getting the brunt of the wind. Yes. And that's not fun. That's not fun as a seagull. Someone, some, someone's got to take it for the team. Someone's got to do it. I, mean, I hope they sub out, you know. Hey, it's your turn. I'm going to talk to you about teddy bears. Teddy bears. Why are they We called, talked about this earlier. This yeah. is great. Why are they called teddy bears? Well, I know. So why don't we just tell our listeners so yes. that they know. One of the, we discussed whether it's called Ru- Roosevelt or Roosevelt. It's I, Roosevelt. I recently watched a... a even, even, uh, even Trebek says Roosevelt on Jeopardy. Does he? Yes. Well, the only reason I even question this, I've always said Roosevelt too, and I'll say that for the description of this uh, why item, but I recently listened to a Netflix TED Talk. Brene Brown, it's an amazing TED Talk that Brene Brown does on Netflix, but she said Roosevelt, and it really threw me off. I mean, it's spelled that way. It has a double O. Could that just be an accent? Does she have an accent? Maybe. She's from Texas. From Texas. I don't know. I just felt like... I don't know. I thought that was a given that it was Roosevelt, but okay. I was starting to question it. Anyway, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, as you may, may be aware, was a former president of the United States, and he went on a hunting trip. Uh, he went on like this three-day bear hunting trip, but he didn't be shoot a bear. Very, very quiet. Apparently, everybody else hunted down a bear, hunted down bears, but Roosevelt. So they tied up a bear to a tree. I know this sounds how terrific, do, how, but it has a happy ending. Wait a minute, though. I this is this. this <laughs> I don't know how put the they, brakes on. How did they end up? Like, can you imagine? I, I don't even think Leonardo DiCaprio could like tie a bear to a tree. It was probably a small bear because he and maybe the bear was already. Well, I was to say maybe the bear was already he knows dead his way and around they tied bears. it up into a tree to make it look like it was alive. That's just craziness. Anyways, they wanted to to make 
to make the president feel like he had shot a bear. But when he kind of came across this setup, he's like, this is unsportsmanlike. There's no way I can shoot the bear. And news got to the media and a political cartoonist did a depiction of Teddy Roosevelt not shooting the bear. And we and, will post that someplace on our social media so people can see it. Yeah, I don't know if it's copyrighted or not. But uh, anyways, it's a, you know. As long as we give uh, credit, we're good. <laughs> So that became really well known across, you know, across the United States. And then months later, there was like a little candy shop in Brooklyn, New York. And the owner asked permission from the president. He said, my wife is making these little bears and we'd like to call them Teddy's Bears. Hmm. And they were an instant, instant success. They sold like hundreds of them. And then later on, a German based company. Uh, who did stuffed toy animals, started calling their stuffed bear uh, teddy bears. So uh, that just became like history. They just so I wonder if every teddy bear, teddy bears. I wonder if every teddy bear we see now, if I'm going to, I'm going to picture a, a, a bear, a real live bear tied to a tree, ready to be shot. That's, <laughs> that's pretty daunting. Oh, well then my work here is done. <laughs> How much did you learn today, people? Honestly, come on. We are given the goods, this podcast and all other podcasts. I found, I found that doing the research for this episode was really fascinating. There's some I, I did learn some of the stuff I knew a little bit about, but, you know, the teddy bear one really was... Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was cool, too, and I thought the whole podcast was fantastic. Yeah, we're our own best... Uh, we're best supporters let us know what you thought go to our social media and let us know thanks for listening everybody bye-bye talk to you next time thanks for listening be sure to visit infoquench.com to subscribe and catch up on past episodes you can also check out infoquench on facebook twitter and instagram till next time time.